Okay. It is recording whenever you're ready. Go. This is Jenny Fortano with All Together Wellness, and you are listening to Vroom Vroom Beer with Jeff Smith, reminding you that you need to find your village today. Ah, uh, I need to, I do need to find my village. That's a good one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there are other ones. So we'll take that. You're on the beach in Florida. So that's a good village. <laughs> yeah. Right. All right. Let it me, hit, let me hit Except stop. Except it's sweltering hot. Yes. Of course. Okay. All right. Let me hit stop. I'll be right back. <laughs> okay. Are you ready to thoughtfully steer away from your revved up, frenzied, and far too often scripted life? Then welcome to Vroom Vroom Veer with Jeff Smith, where he guides you down the road differently traveled by sharing unique experiences with guests who have managed to shift away from a life stuck on cruise control and veered their way into a more authentic and fulfilling one in all sorts of interesting and kind of remarkable ways. Get ready to Vroom Vroom Veer with your differently traveled road chauffeur, Jeff Smith. Dr. Craig Thayer, thank you so much for being on Vroom Vroom Beer and welcome to the show. How's it going? It's going great. It's an honor to be here, Jeff. So you are at, thanks, thanks again. Thanks for being here. Thanks for taking time out of your, I'm sure, very busy day. Yeah. Yeah. So you're at craigthayer.net and you just wrote a book. So Tell us a little bit about the book and how I did. For it. I did. My, my, there's one adult that lived through my major experiences in my life. That was my grandmother. Okay. Uh, to the kids, she was Gigi. And uh, I would take her to Sacramento Kings games, about six to eight of them a year. And she insisted from my childhood to getting into college, med school, residency, that is just, there was so much. Um, adversity that it would be really helpful for people to be able to read about that. And so she encouraged me to write a book for 15 years. And then finally, wow. Yeah. I went to a Grant Cardone 10X business. Um, I've heard of that guy. The Minari has like yeah. 15,000 people in an arena. Magic wow. Johnson, Kevin Hart. Wow. But they talk about the business end of their life, which is okay. really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. You don't um, usually hear about that. Who right. Wanted to trade. His plane in because it's 707 for 747. And yeah, Qantas, <laughs> the Qantas logo goes to, we, we need to give this to you, but we need to work this out. So we'll come back in a month. Wow. But yeah, so, um, yeah, so interesting stuff. So, um, and, and there are people who didn't even know me said, look, you need to be on that stage. You need to talk to people. Mm. You need to help them, give, give them hope, belonging, uh, that, you know, you, you just don't give up and look what happens. The, the last chapter is about the power of prayer. Mm. I had a great, great friend who was a RN, was in Vietnam, um, not, not, um, he was an atheist, not a believer at all. I brought over <clears> a DVD <throat> collection that kind of helped convince him potentially. And within five minutes, he's like, no, nope, no, nope, this is for believers. Shuts it <laughs> off. But, uh, at the very yeah. end, unequivocally, he made it through the door. I could only take him to the door, but right. But that, so if you don't read anything in the book, the last chapter will bring hope to you for sure. Um, that there's, you know, a chance for everybody. So that said, but, but the book, you know, I mean, it's the story of my life. I mean, sure. I, I would have begun like, well, I was blessed to, to be an orphan. Um, my mom, natural mom was in Michigan and she started a show in the 60s, and she would have been shunned. She was engaged, but my father was not going through catechism long enough or fast enough. So, okay. so she moved to California, had me um, for 10 days after birth, had me baptized at a local church. I don't know what name she gave me, but um, and I tried to query and didn't get any answers back. But, yeah, so really I was you know kind of blessed and lucky, if you want to use either term, before I was even born. So... I grew up on Providence Court, so you know even the court protected me. Um, Interesting. And had, you know, I think I had a really good childhood. My mom was born in Ireland, and uh, I called my mom my mom who raised right, me. Right. So, yeah. Mother, natural mother, father who who had me, so to speak. So, <clears throat> um, yeah, she had an Irish temper. So, um, <laughs> got to got to. She, but she made me an empath. So she turned out to have alcoholism. And um, I went to my first AA meeting when I was 11 with her and really heard people's wow. testimonies. 11 years old. 
you're going to AA meetings yeah, with, yeah, with yeah. your mom. And okay. this guy's John, he's just stirring me down. Like, and then I learned late later, which is in the book that he had had a drunk driving accident where he killed the kid that I look like. Oh, geez. Yeah. Wow. So he's just, Oh my God. <laughs> this, this, this kid incarnate, you know? Right. Right. So, but just experiences like that. I mean, from a twisted intestine, my junior year, I, I always knew that I liked to help people. I was tutoring some blind students in geometry, which I had to think outside the box because they can't see what a circle looks like. Right. Oh my goodness. So, <laughs> yeah. So, so, and then I took an anatomy physiology class and go, I got to do medicine and I like work with my hands. So it had to be surgery. And then I was cocky and thought cardiac or, or neuro would be the one, but during medical school, I learned that no general surgery is better because you learn at that point in, in general surgery's history, you learned everything from head to toe. Okay. So, and there were some experiences that I talk about in the book that convinced me, look, I need to be able to do a tracheostomy or because this guy basically drowned on the medicine service from a bleeding tumor in his, in his lung into his trachea wow. and they didn't know how to put a tube in his, in his throat or do a tracheostomy or right, right. save his life. So general yes. surgery was everything. So That's one of the surgeries that you see in movies a lot. Like the emergency, what did you call yeah. it? Tracheometry or tracheostomy? Yeah, yeah, tracheostomy. Every FBI agent from, and special forces person has to be able to cut your throat and stick a pen in there, right? <laughs> right, right. Or, or you know, and they'll probably tube, kill you, you know, right? Yeah, because the diameter of that tube is very important. You know, okay. the more resistance, the smaller the tube. So you want a very, uh, very small hole up, and a small tube. I don't know. No, you need, in order for you to breathe, you're going to need a bigger tube. So oh, wow. if I ever had to pull up at a roadside and I had, I always carry a scalpel in my car and I had to do that, I would query this people who have stopped to grab all the star, the, the, the uh, straws out of their Starbucks coffees and give them to me. Cause if I could put, if you, if you notice you took, three or four straws together and then draw on that, you can breathe through them. If you only have one straw, it's not going to work. So, oh, wow. so yeah, just a number of straws. You could even take the stirring sticks and just, if there's enough of them that are about three fourths of an inch in diameter, you can breathe through them. So what's the ideal? What's, what's the diameter of the tube? If you're actually in surgery, is it like uh, quarter about inch? The size, the, <laughs> about the size of your nostril. Okay. Yeah. All yeah. right. Okay. That's wow. what anesthesia uses. Yeah. Okay. And then they, they look at your, you know, your age and your weight and that stuff. But when it comes to kids, it's the size of your nostril. And then when we get bigger, it's, you know, a seven and a half, eight. The bigger, the wow. better, because you have less resistance. So. So interesting. Okay. Yeah. You're a good guy to have around in an emergency. <laughs> well, yeah. And I realized that on like medical mission trips. Yeah. We'd have these funny orientations. And so there'd be like a pediatrician going, a family practice doc. Um, I think we had a psych person go one year and we would talk to the to other people and say, look, we're going to be doing these things medically. I'll be operating. Um, and then um, they can come in and watch. They can, even if they get sterile gloves on, they can retract for me. Oh, wow. Um, but I go, you know, if you're feeling sick, you start to get Teresa or something, come to us and let us know. Right. And then I... I usually add, you probably don't want to come to me because if you come to me with a sore throat, I'll probably want to cut it out. <laughs> <laughs> and they're usually steer clear. I don't get the colds and coughs and the, the, the diarrhea questions. So yeah. It goes to other people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I think what they say is uh, like never ask a, a, a carpenter to fix your problem because all he has is a hammer, right? <laughs> You're a surgeon, right? right? All you got yeah, is a scalpel. Yeah. Like scalpel and the <laughs> Or finger, really, a finger's your best instrument. Wow. Yikes. You Stay away from me with that finger. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, I'm not talking about proctology. There's a lot of openings in that field. <laughs> That's great. You know, I, they just, they stopped doing that now. They just told me that, that they're, they're yeah. like not doing as many, you know, finger of love yeah. diagnostics no, I think, anymore. <clears throat> I think the, the, the PSA test is kind of like the, if that's elevated, then there's something to worry about. Ah, so, so that's just a blood test. Blood test, yeah. And then you still get your, uh, your what is it, the 50-year-old? Um, oh, the colonoscopy, yeah. Colonoscopy, right. Yeah, the big snake, yeah. <laughs> I did it. So, I did it like that, dutiful. I have a bad joke about <laughs> sigmoidoscope, so I, but I can't tell it. So. Uh, uh, no, no, you can tell it. it it's fine. It, it, All right. I mean, so yeah, go for basically, it. Basically, what's the definition of a sigmoidoscope? 
I don't know. It's a hollow tube with two assholes at each end. (laughs) (laughs) I usually get to laugh. Uh, Yeah. There was, there was, there were several people at the other end of my colonoscopy because I I woke up towards the end and you know, I didn't wake up all the way, but I woke up enough to know I was uncomfortable for about a couple minutes. Right. And then the snake came out and I was fine and I fell back to sleep. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yep. That's the way it goes. I mean, I've, I've been that, you know, I'm over 50. So, right. And for a while, I think I had a couple polyps and they're like, okay, you need to come back instead of five years. It was like two. So, a lot of fun. And it's a lot of fun as a doc because you're sitting there, they're going to put an IV in you and then you're in kind of a recovery room area. And, laying across for you and another gurney is one of your patients that you've seen. And and then they send over the unskilled people as it's funny. I hate needles. I, I've never I hate fainted, needles. But, yeah, yeah. Oh, I think I worry about it. So, mm. and this one's just grinding into my elbow area to try and pull one in. And, and the patient that I have across from me is like, Hey, you're kind of white doc. I'm glad you're laying down. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. I guess doctors are human too. Yeah, we are. Yeah. And we usually have the complications. I mean, when I was, um, uh, 37, I had like three colds in a row. This is not in the book. Um, three colds in a row. And then the fourth one, I got really sick and I went on a vacation with family to, um, Cabo San Lucas uh-oh. And I'm on the plane and I'm starting to get shoulder pain. Like I've got a drop lung or a pneumothorax is what we call it. Uh-oh. And I'm like, what is this? And then just got really sick there. And I'm like, we need to go back. So I went back, get an x-ray, get to my hospital. I work out chest x-ray wide out of the, the, the left side. I'm like, Oh, I know what that is. And then a CT scan. Sure enough, it's a bunch of pus. So I've Ew. gotten a pneumonia oh that's God. bacterial that now leaks around the lung. Wow. And, um, and then I had a murmur, which I'd never had. So I, I'd cough so hard, although the worry with the cardiothoracic guys was that it could have been an infectious, meaning endocarditis, and they were ready to replace valves. And oh, my gosh. They had to close. They angiogram me, and my your cardiac output's about five liters per minute normally. Okay. Mine was 15. Ooh. 15 liters. I was like a horse. Yeah. And my heart rate was like 120, so you can figure out what – what it's called a stroke volume, what, how much volume in one heartbeat you're cranking out. <clears throat> Horses are a gallon. Oh, my goodness. One squeeze of the heart <laughs> is a gallon. That is one a big heartbeat. body, right? That's Yeah. They, and they dope. Their spleens can contract, and they squirt more red blood cells into their blood system. Oh, wow. That's yeah, fascinating. So, yeah, it is fascinating. <laughs> you know, I, always, I thought the anatomy of the giraffe was just crazy. Right. Have you like looked at that? Just like the amount of crap that the body has to go through to get that blood up to that brain way up there. Yeah. It's nuts. They they have seven or eight vertebrae like we do. Right. Oh, yeah. It's like the same body plan that's radically changed. Right. Yeah. Yeah, It's crazy. Evolution is nuts. Yes, it is. It so is. I, I, you know, while we're talking and you're a doctor and I get to ask stuff. Sure. <laughs> so is, I didn't is, do all this training for nothing. Is vasal vagal a real thing? Is that like, oh, yeah. so like when That's you That's what pass I was out, doing. So okay. I was white because my heart rate. So when you get nauseated yeah. or stressed, right. you can do what's called vasal vagal. So your vagus nerve, which controls your heart rate, will lower the heart rate. So now your blood pressure drops. Right. Yep. And so you're not getting Some people blood pass out. Head. Right. Yeah, not enough blood to your head, and your head's going to go, okay, I need to lay down. Right. Get gravity to help pump blood to my brain. So you It faint. just incentivizes you to lay down very quickly. Yeah. 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 And <laughs> all males that are athletes that come into the operating room to watch you do a hernia repair are guaranteed to go down. So... <laughs> One of them did. Luckily, the anesthesia guy was going, oh, he's going to go. He's wobbling, and he caught him before he hit. So, but the total football jock, you know, just mm. totally it's the bigger. It's the bigger people. Larger yeah. people are bigger more. Are people. So, so let me tell you my story. So, I, I'll try to make, keep it short because it's about you. So, yeah, no. I had a, uh, uh, my first, like, vasal vagal pass out was when I was in the Air Force, when they stick you through this line 
and there's right. like an injector gun for vaccinations on each arm, and I think it's like five on each arm. Oh, that's bam, like bam, fun. bam, bam, bam. Right? Yeah. Well, I was eighteen and stupid, yeah. right? But so they know, right? The Air Force knows that some certain percentage of everybody that goes through this little gauntlet is going to pass out, right? Right. It's going to (laughs) happen. But it's just quicker, you know, to do it all at once in a line, right? Yeah. Yeah. So they make us like sit under this like covered like uh, pavilion, but it was huge, right? And we're we're not standing now. (laughs) It's the first time ever we're actually on our, you know, sitting, you know, kind of like Indian style is what they used to say. And reading our study guide that you have to read for all of basic training. And, you know, 10 minutes into the 30 minute wait period, I pass out and the guy behind me. Right. Right. And, you know, and then they they pull me out and they give me some fluid and they make me sit there for an hour or whatever. And then they send me back and they go, you're fine. You passed out because you got a bunch of shots all at once. And I was like, okay, right? So then that turned into a real no kidding thing where every time I was anywhere near needle, like if I just got a flu shot, I'm woozy, right? Right? And then it sort of culminated into this thing where two things happened. Like I banged my funny bone elbow really hard on some office furniture you know, right. this is very chair force kind of injury. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I go to answer, I'm combing my hair, combing my hair in the mirror, trying to look cool. And my phone rings and I bang my elbow really hard in some, like, I think it was a file cabinet. And so then vasovagal, like I pass out. Right. And I'm, yeah. I don't pass out a little bit. I didn't even make it back to the phone. Right. Wow. So everybody's like, it comes back and nobody saw me bang my elbow. Right. So they just thought, Jesus, he's going to die. <laughs> yeah. Somebody had some weird heart right, right. 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 So then they take me in and I get the full workup at the ER. Right. Like the yeah. ER people are usually bored in the military. Right. So when you give them something to do, it's like you're in trouble. So everything that they could think of. So they do a bunch of blood tests. So when I'm sitting there getting blood drawn, I look over and I look at the vial and it looked really gross. (laughs) And I passed out not once, but twice during the same blood draw That's great. to the point where they, uh, they had to wake me up with smelling salts. So then I have to get the EKG and the blood monitor, no, the heart monitor and the whole big yeah. thing. And it turns out it's just basically. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. it's definitely a real thing. You can see it. Yeah. You can look at reels. There's some reels on TikTok or uh, Instagram of usually a guy and he's sitting next to his girlfriend on what, like a big spinning wheel. And he just he gets so oriented roller coaster where they yep. just pass out. You see they pass out, then they come back, ah, and they pass out again. <laughs> and uh yeah, it's pretty funny. That's like anybody that's ever taken more than three G's in an airplane. That's right. That, yeah. It's just like that's yeah. the body's the, the, so that's why pilots have to learn how to do those anti G maneuvers. Right. Yeah. So yeah, one of my biggest <laughs> disappointments. I was at the, the VA hospital as an intern. Okay. And there were pilots there. And I'm like, they were like, you got to be a flight surgeon. You got to be a flight surgeon. And then an F-16 pilot came in and said, no, you can't. You're too tall. You got to be 6'2 or under. Right. You got on the canopy. And I'm like, no. Ooh. Okay. Maybe they'll make bigger ones down the road. <laughs> but yeah, never, never did most, that. Most fighter pilots are short. Actually, most Air Force pilots are, are relatively short. I don't want to say short. They're not yeah. short, but... Yeah, it, there's only, yeah, you can only fit like, what is it? 6'2? Six 6'2 two? Two or seems, less, yeah. 6'2 seems like. Yeah, it's really short, but I think that's, yeah. you know, they probably improved that with the 18s and the, maybe. the other ones. Yeah, 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 maybe. Interesting. It doesn't, yeah. it doesn't track necessarily because it seems like most leaders are gigantic men with large hands. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We need a big man with large hands, stat. <laughs> <laughs> That's key. That's one of the profile intake questions. That's Age. right. Yeah. Height. Height. Hand size. Hand size. 
<laughs> Quarterbacks and doctors and all CEOs have to be six four with gigantic hands. Yeah, <laughs> it's, I think there is a stat where it over is. six feet for every inch you make like fifteen thousand dollars more a year. Wow. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. yeah so what are you six four? Six four and a half. <laughs> My, my wife says to say six five. Yeah, okay. yeah. And I'm, then when I'm standing next to someone who's really six five, then I'm like, yeah, okay, I'm five eleven and a half, yeah. which is just tall enough to be not short. That's what right. I like to say. Yeah. That's my oldest son's height. Yeah, and he got picked to play after freshman year um, varsity sophomore year. Because the, the head coach saw me and said, that kid's going to be huge. And he only grew to 5'11 plus. Oh. <laughs> and his oldest sister is over six feet. Right. So, so he, she, it was like, just, I don't think he still, he still deals with it. Yeah, yeah. So, well. Because so his sister I, teases him about it. I, I've never thought of myself as short. So yeah. I guess I am. you're not. The average male is 5'7". So. Okay, good. Yeah, I, I'm yeah. slightly above average. I'll take that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm a B plus height. Okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> so, good. yeah, yeah. So I, I've talked to like a couple different adoptees and I've seen like a trend. So you probably know more than just you. So right. I've seen two big trends. Like uh, a lot of people, obviously, I think a lot of adoptees uh, go through this abandonment kind of syndrome where you just think, geez, nobody loves me. And right. then that manifests like two different ways. You might end up in jail or you're an overachiever. Right. Have you seen this pattern before? I have. And um, the other one is, especially where I should have, what I should have had, the um, detachment syndrome, because I was okay. in an orphanage. There, were, there weren't foster homes back then for, for nine months. And so... But I don't have that. My wife is like, you You must have had some really caring people. Good orphanage? Yeah. Because, yeah, because I don't have that. And and my parents were great. I thought my strongest recommendation is if you're listening and you've adopted kids, tell them early. Don't make it a secret. Then it makes it a big deal. Um, right. I think guys don't. I agree. It doesn't, doesn't bother guys as much. My wife wanted to find my natural family um, because of my eyes. I mean, I have kind of. Polynesian or Asian looking eyes. I, I was actually asked in high school to be on the Asian club. Interesting. Even though I'm I'm not, I'm 60% Irish English. And uh, I finally did one of those genetic tests because my youngest son's got um, three and a half percent being West Asian, which is like uh, Jerusalem, Israel area. Okay. Um, but so I go, okay, I got to find out. It is me. I'm like six something percent, almost 7% that. But then I'm also... I was told because my grandfather did was the attorney that did the adoption. So I had their names and birth dates. Um, and that I was Irish, English, French, which turned out to be incorrect. I'm Belgian. Uh, by the, the last name of my mother was Vian, which is a Belgian name. Okay. And then, um, but it turns out I have no Belgian in me. I have, <clears throat> I'm Baltic. So I'm like north, north part of Russia. Um, okay. To wow. the to the east of you know Scandinavia, and then I'm um, Iberian, which is Spain and Portugal. Interesting. And then I'm Middle East, you know, like, and then I'm sixty something percent. So it's like sixteen percent, sixteen percent, and then six seven percent, and then sixty percent Irish English. Yeah. So That's I don't know how they all got together, but <laughs> there's a lot of distance between those countries. <clears throat> it's interesting because as I'm talking to you and you're talking about your lineage, you look a lot like my sister-in-law. You could be like my sister-in-law's brother. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now I'm going to have to go figure out what her, uh, her lineage yeah, yeah. is. Have her do yeah. The, <laughs> 23 and me or whatever. It is. Me, yeah. 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 Interesting. Yeah. Whenever yeah. I ask my parents, it's always like, I, I know it now and I've written it down on a Google note, but I don't know. <laughs> It's like, it's, there's only three, you know, but anyway. Yeah. <clears throat> so, yeah, but it is interesting, you know, the, the genetics is, because there are certain genes that, you know, have higher diseases. Uh, Ashkenazi Jewish people mm. have higher incidences of breast cancer and some other things. So 
obviously um, uh, folks from an African upbringing will have sickle cell. Right. Um, yeah. So there, there's definitely, but one of the interesting questions in medicine is as culture, because black people have a higher incidence of hypertension, stroke, heart disease. Is it because they have been below the red line? I don't know if you've heard about that. You know, there's, there's a, a business banking red line that um, if they live in a neighborhood and they want to buy a house, uh, depending on the area, if that's below the, what the bank would call a red line, they won't give them a loan. So they were discriminated against by right. where they wanted to live. Um, and then, uh, and in other ways too. So, I mean, I clearly, I think UC Davis was the first reverse discrimination. One of the people applying to med school that was Caucasian, uh, accused them of reverse discrimination and won the suit. And this is back in the mid eighties or so, probably early eighties. So, yeah, but you know, is that cultural difference in that population a cause of these medical problems. That's the correct question. <clears throat> yeah. 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 So, so really, it, you know, I mean, if, if we get, <clears throat> is it interesting? Like the Japanese have a really high incidence of gastric cancer because they eat a lot of fish. Mm. If they come to America and go onto American diet, that goes away and the colon cancer rate goes way up, which is what we have in, in America. So that makes sense. But clearly diet has an influence. Oh yeah. Where you live, I think too, but also like, um, Diet is huge, but like where you are in your social structure, definitely like, like if you're like kind of like low end job versus, right. you know, boss, the boss right. is, he's stressed, but it's a different kind of stress. Right. <laughs> he's a, like right. a busy kind of stress. He's not worried about like making rent probably. No, it's a different kind of stress. Yeah. 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 They have to worry about, yeah. I've been hurting there. Cats or, yeah. <laughs> yeah, hurting that <laughs> was things. that was one of my things that uh, hurting cats was uh, one of my favorite phrases that made the most sense. Uh, you know, like when you're a mid-level manager in the Air Force, you're not doing anything. I mean, from my perspective, right? Like, you know, I, I had lots of things that I had to do, like doing them myself, and then you're a, suddenly you're a manager, and that is like. Finding who needs to be together and, you know, hurting cats, right? right? <laughs> yes, yes. This busy guy that has absolutely no incentive to help you, you need to get him to help you. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, for, I was strong medical director for 20 years and, you know, surgeons are, there are ones that take pride in showing up late to the operating room and then that's totally. up the whole, that room the whole day. That's not just behind. surgeons. That's a lot of and, bosses. And so, I mean, literally, I went to an hour course of <clears throat> how to manipulate people. Wow. Especially, manipulate especially, people. Right. You know, so you got to get into their head and see what motivates them. So if you totally. if you yell and scream at them, they take pride in that for, for some of them. Right. But if they're, they're all about money, then you find them. Or mm. they're about efficiency, then you don't give them an 8 o'clock start. You put them at the end of the day. Right. So there are ways to to modify behavior. Oh, totally. <laughs> that that leadership stuff actually works. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I was yeah. shocked. Like I remember taking this sort of like correspondence course where it's like you're doing this, like you just have to read and do exercises and then you take a test at the end and bam, you you've completed the course. One of those things was just like the um how you like give praise, right? You just walk right. over whenever somebody does something good and you pat them on the back and you go, good job. <laughs> I was shocked how effective that was. I was just like, why does that work? You know? Yeah. I mean, if no, you did that to me, I would like look at you funny, you know? No, there's something, and I haven't done it on this because, you know, we're on a Zoom, but sure. Um, there's something about within the first 10 to 15 seconds of meeting someone, mm. Involving your hands in the screen relaxes them. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. And there were some other, I, I, it was a. I wonder how they come up with that. <laughs> I, there's people out there that study a lot of stuff. Yes, they do. 
psychology of of sales probably is what everything comes out of. Yeah. 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 One of my favorite authors is a Canadian sociologist. Okay. And um, he, Malcolm Gladwell, he's written about seven or eight books. And I think Outliers I may have read. Yeah, yeah. I think I read yeah, Outliers. Outliers. Yeah. yeah. It's, I mean, you know, it, it's a, you think of people being really smart, but a lot of that was opportunity. Like Gates, you know, Gates's birthday was within a six month range that if you were, same with jobs. They're all born in the same six month. The the sun computer guys were all in the same six month period. Wow. If they were older than that, then they would have didn't have the programming and the equipment to do the programming for the coding. Okay. If they were younger than that, they someone else would have already jumped. Yeah, right. someone else would have already done it. So um and then the most profound one to me was the National Hockey League. So the Canadian junior leagues like the most prestigious and it's all about what age you fall in because if you're older for a particular league, you're bigger and more experienced. So you get put in a better league and then that just, it's sort of like Darwin's survival of the fittest. Gotcha. You get better and better. Yeah, and yeah. so he plays this tape of a National Hockey League game. One of them was Gretzky. And so he goes by names and then he converts those names to birth dates. And they're all, except for the goalie who missed the block, by the way. But that's because he wasn't born in that six-month period. So, wow. yeah, it's crazy. Interesting. Now you know, I have to go check that out. thousand hours of dedication, but it's, it's Just both. luck. Yeah. <laughs> well, you even if you did the 10,000 hours, but you didn't have the right birthday, you weren't going to. Right. Wow. <laughs> but, okay, but the guy with the wrong birthday was still on the ice. He yeah. just. Okay. He's a goalie. Goalies are crazy. <laughs> <laughs> no, no one in their right mind is going to get out there with any protective gear on and have a solid object puck flung at you at like 80 miles an hour. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably the most deadly kind of, you know, there's sharp objects going at high speed. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. I, uh, I played water polo in high school and in college. And then I played, I got back in the pool in 2001 and started playing masters. And we would, after workout, have, we'd go to Streets of London pub and have a bunch of French fries and cheese on them and bacon and, and some beer. And we yeah. would talk and we would have the most like, okay, name all the one hit wonders in the eighties or <laughs> the big one. The big one is what's a sport and what defines it. So like it was, it's got to have an object that can kill you. Or something like water polo would be, well, it's got a ball and you can drown. So, okay. Yeah. So, and then we would rank them like, in, and one of the guys on the team was a big cyclist. And we're like, that's not a sport. It's kind of like bowling. I mean, where's the coordination? You <laughs> get so mad. It's pretty funny. Cycling <laughs> is not a sport. No, I think yeah. you're right. I don't know. Unless, of course, you're a cyclist. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's a race just like any other race, but you know, right. there's not a whole lot of, I guess if you're doing it in a team, I might give you a pass on it's a sport because then you have to draft and you have to like, right. that's, yeah. that's a sport. But if you're just yeah. riding a solo race, you're just racing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you're basically racing against your own best time at that point. Right. Yeah. yeah. You can do that yeah. on your own. You don't need people around. Yeah. <laughs> Especially now with, uh. Strava, there's an app that your Garmin can hook to that, you know, you, you're out there by yourself and it's going to give you this, your best, if you've ridden that segment before, this is your best time. Mm. Or so-and-so is 10 seconds ahead of you that is on your list. Like, oh, so you can compete that. with strangers. Yeah, yeah. And there's usually someone that's like done their Garmin on a horse or a motorcycle. Right. They're cheating. Or worse, like or in a the car. pros have done part of this, like the tour of California. There's a, a segment that I've been on and I'm like, oh man, those guys are really quick. Yeah. Because there's no way you can be what their times are. Wow. So you, you actually cycle? Have you done like real long races? Uh, or rides? Or just say? fun rides. Yeah, you know, fun my rides. wife and I, it gets, I need goals. So, or I won't stay in shape. And the two things that would do that for me were cycling when we were doing it. We haven't done it so much. We moved from California to Georgia two years ago. Mm, California's great for not, sports not outside. As friendly, yeah. yeah, not as friendly. The roads aren't right. set up with bike lanes and that kind of stuff. So, um, 
And the other one is a death march that I do. It's a backpack trip with a bunch of guys. We've left from Fresno, flown over the Sierras, and then came back on trail the first day, off trail the next six days, and then back on trail the last day. And then My to goodness. a car that's parked for us. Yeah. So it's it's if you're not in shape, you will suffer. <laughs> so, yeah. So those two things heavily motivate me. <laughs> I Actually, I, talk, I had a guy... Uh, on not too long ago who does the uh, century kind of yeah. runs. Yeah. The hundred K yeah. or hundred mile yeah. runs. They're not really yeah. runs, you know, you, they're, no. it's more of a survival thing. Yeah. I just thought that was just nuts. <laughs> but there are people that that's just, they get into that and their brain just, I guess you know, it's like it's endorphin high and yeah. He's a, and then yeah. at some point during the conversation, he says, yeah, yeah, we're all suffering. Like we're literally all just suffering, you know? Yeah. I mean, like you just have to like, you like walk a little bit and then you lay down and moan. I'm like, right. <laughs> right. 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 Well, I've had friends, you know, they get home and they go, I feel like I need to exercise. And they sit down and wait for that feeling to go away. <laughs> the closest thing I ever did was I signed up for this 24 uh, hour marathon. It was like a relay. Yeah. So you would sleep overnight. We all had tents and backpacks and not backpacks, uh, bedrolls, uh, sleeping bags. And uh, so like you, there was, you started with like 12 people on your team and you'd have to do a mile, which was four laps around the track. And then you pass off the baton and you had about maybe to start with a little over an hour to rest. Right. And then it was right. your turn again for 24 hours. Yeah. So yeah. like a lot of people quit. <laughs> Yeah. Not easy. It's not. It's really yeah. not. No, no. We, my wife and I did one with 10 other people. Yeah. Uh, uh, knew someone that, that rents cars. He loaned these two vans to us. Um, it was from Calistoga, so just above Napa, all the way nice. through Napa, and then um, through San Francisco, Sausalito, to Santa Cruz and, and Santa Cruz. That's all it was, real beautiful. Had, during like my first leg was seven miles. And I even told everybody, I go, man, this is going to be a long time. Don't get competitive. <laughs> I'm sure going to finish. Some guy, okay. <laughs> some guy passed me and I had to stay with him. But yeah, but my other legs, it was fun because one of my other legs was where I grew up in uh, Cupertino. And uh, we used, we had, we called the Hill Agony. Because our water pole team in high school would train on that. And I go, I get to run it again. <laughs> Much older. This is hurting. <laughs> so, yeah. So, yeah, those are fun. And it was for um, some transplant thing, some transplant fundraiser. Yeah. The, most of those things that, like, um, I did a volunteer massage. When I went to massage school, there was this annual, I want to say it was a century ride in uh, Central California. For a very, it was like a, a, I can't remember the charity, but it was a charity ride. And right. all the people that sign up, they get a free massage. It's part of the, the sign up thing. Yeah. Then I find out that it's super competitive, right? That even getting a spot to do the race is like, you've got to raise money, right? And the right. people that right. raise the most money get the benefit of torturing right. their bodies. <laughs> yes. I was like, people are nuts. <laughs> But I, I talked to the guy, one of the guys, and I was like, you know, giving him his, you know, cool down sports massage. And I'm like, why? And he's like, oh, it's a great ride. You know, it's like you can't do this ride unless you win your spot, you know. Right. And you, right. <clears throat> you get an escort, you know. You would never get to be able to do this ever unless you do oh. this, you know. And yeah. I was like, oh. Okay, now you kind of make it sound almost worth it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it sounds, sounds interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But people are people do crazy shit. <laughs> they do, they do for fun. You know that yes. one, uh, David Goggins is a ex Navy SEAL. He's gone through, I think, um, whatever Air Force the para para rescue para rescue. He's done armies. So, but I mean, he just tortures himself and, um, his book is interesting cause it is motivational, but, um, and he had an interesting way he did it. So it, he had his editor 
at the end of each chapter, almost do like a podcast about that last chapter. So there would be questions and answers. Okay. Like about That's his fun. childhood, when he went through his childhood, you know, how was that writing that part of the book? Because it's pretty painful. And it, it was interesting because I experienced the same thing, kind of going back to my childhood and, you know, my mom's experience, my twisted intestine, the, my mom dying my freshman year, my cracked skull on a bicycle sophomore year, and then my dad getting stage four lung cancer my junior and dying between junior and senior year. So, um, yeah, but so, and going through those parts, I mean, especially doing the audible, I'm like, okay. And, and you know, he'd look up and look at me, what's going on? Oh, okay. So you're kind of a little upset. <laughs> yeah. You're kind of reliving some, yeah. some stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You can't remember those things and not refeel it, you know? Yeah. Especially if you're going to like read words that you've right. written about it. Yeah. Right. So you had to go back to that time and relive it. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. rough. But yeah. like, I think the, the common thread is like you, you've had all this adversity, but you always find that silver lining, right? Is that kind of like a right. theme? Yeah. 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 My cup's always half full. So, <clears throat> and that's just the way I look at life. You know, I mean, trials um are just tests yeah um you know i i was the the uc davis is a quarter system so missing even a couple days it's a 10-week quarter and then finals so you've you're two weeks in and you're taking the first midterm and then about five weeks in yeah it's just it's it's just like that's vroom vroom (laughs) yeah so so and i if i would have like freshman year, I went back for my mom to to see her and then also um, to be with my dad and then came back. So I was like a week away. And then the crack skull, I was in the health center for two weeks with spinal fluid coming out of my ear. So, I mean, that's, Talk, 20%, how, how did that's you, 20% of the quarter. How did you crack your skull? Did you fall off a bike? I, I was coming back at dusk on a bicycle and I was on the wrong side of the road and a girl pulled out in front of me on her bike and I jackknifed my wheel. So I would just go stop immediately and not hit her. Wow. Didn't got up, walked over, asked if she was okay. She said she was fine. And then the next thing I remember, I'm sitting on a curb and there's an ambulance in front of me. Wow. So I, they take me to the health center. They asked me my phone number. I can't remember it. And then as they pull in, I do, Oh yeah, no, I, I know my phone number. Seven, five, six. <laughs> and then um, I suddenly remember. Yeah, wow. yeah I, like, I felt like I was uh, inebriated or something. And then um, they stitched my ear, they kicked me out, and then I'm sitting there with my roommate, and I, I can't hear out of that ear. I'm like, this is weird. And then there's this fluid coming out of it. So I called the health center, and I got some grad student, not anybody medical, and I'm like, are these things normal? And he says, I don't know. Do you think they are? And I'm like, well, <laughs> I don't know. I'm a sophomore. So he gave me an appointment for 3.30, which is like right after my bacteriology midterm. And they x-rayed my skull. And sure enough, I had a basal skull fracture. So Yikes. So And then since that's spinal fluid, you have the risk of meningitis. So Ooh. they brought me in and put me on antibiotics and had a neurologist come over and tell me I was crazy. And then, um, <laughs> and, yeah, and then I went out and I had like 18 units that quarter. So I dropped two, I think it was a bacteriology lab or something like that. And I finished was organic chemistry, physics. I heard organic Um, chemistry is really hard. Yeah. Yeah. And then I read somewhere (laughs) that there was a group of students that are pre-med that were suing a professor for making the test too hard. I go, uh, this is, this is a hurdle. Everybody's got to go over. It's (laughs) a test of whether you're going to survive med school. That's kind of like the whole idea behind school. Yeah, I mean, because really, you either need to do really well grade wise, or right. you got to do really well at the MCATs, an eight-hour exam, um, to show that you've learned. You know right. that you can absorb all this quickly, because because I mean, they'll do again their quarters, and I'll have eight, nine classes, and they all have finals. So it's like, oh my gosh, you're taking three finals in one day. And it's cumulative. It's not, it's not like yeah. just the last part of the the year. You're doing the whole year. <clears throat> so what's the so, what's the attrition rate like in a in a situation like that? Interesting. So we started with my class was just under a hundred, and about four dropped out quickly, realizing that they weren't doing this for them. They were doing it for their parents. 
And that then, makes sense. Um, this is too hard for me to BS my and way through. <laughs> yeah, no. And then there were some that um, it was just really hard for them. So uh, they were, you know, UC Davis was proactive at, at being a quality. And so there were students there that weren't as strong academically and they were, they were failing. And so they ended up splitting that second year into two years. And then they, they so they got through med school in five years, and that worked for them. So, okay, that got them through. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. But yeah, so I, I would say out of like ninety five, we had probably ended with eighty eight. Okay, that's not too bad. So, yeah, not bad. Yeah, but, I, I, I was I yeah. was kind of shocked because I didn't my whole time in the Air Force, I didn't spend a lot of time with pilots. I was in like the Intel world. So most of my people right. were like, not, they didn't even want to be a pilot. So that's kind of weird in the air. Right. Right. A lot of, a lot of people, like when you do get around airplanes again, like maintenance officers, all the other non-pilot people, they failed pilot school. Right. <laughs> right. right. And a lot yeah. of them, you know, and that was kind yeah. of eye opening. I actually had, yeah. uh, a guy I worked with on a deployment in, uh, Qatar in 04 and he yeah. was uh, uh mc 130 so that's sort of like the guy that flies the um special forces dudes into right. the foreign country really low below radar right so that's yeah. a really hard job <laughs> yeah. it's either a halo or it's really low <laughs> like really yeah. simple but yeah, yeah he, he pointed out that like he could if he had endless amount of time he could teach anybody to fly that plane. Right. 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 But that's not what they're doing. Right. No. They're yeah. they're trying to find the best pilots that can do that job right. and then fight at the same time. <laughs> right. Well, and I mean, right. thank goodness, because those are expensive <clears throat> pieces of, of equipment. Very, I mean, very there was just expensive. recently one of those helicopters else. with the two props that are not, you know, they're on the sides of the, the aircraft right. that went down, and I think three people were killed. It was a exercise in Australia. And then there was a, they always talk about it in trauma, you know, the helicopters that call them the death stars. Right. They're bringing people, bring, bringing people in. And there was one that had clearly had a fire along its back fuselage to the, to the rotor in the back. And then the whole back fell off and it had to do its rotoring down. And I think one person out of that died, but yeah. So it's, yeah. Scary. Yeah. Very. You know, but, and then and then these cost a lot of money. Tons. I mean, tanks are I don't know how many millions of dollars. Uh, <laughs> I think we were on one of the backpack trips. One of one of the guys on the trip has a uh, um, a cousin who's a CHP life flight nurse, and they had just gotten this helicopter was only twenty three hours old, and they'd rescued someone out of the Sierras with a broken leg. So the next day they're allowed to go do a reconnaissance. And they went out looking for us because we had, we usually, we carry a spot now. It's one of these things you can hit 911 for an emergency, but you can also text like a, or an email to people saying, hey, we're all okay. Okay. And the weather was so cloudy that they weren't getting those. And so the mom, the wives were kind of panicking, are these guys okay? And sure enough, they flew in and landed. And I'm like, where's the beer? <laughs> But I mean, it was brand new. They take the infrared thing off the front because it's going to get pulled off by a rock in the Sierra. So, okay. Yeah. Right. I mean, it was incredible. It was like a little ICU. In, in, an, in a helicopter. In a helicopter. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Th that's amazing. Yeah. Most, yeah. most trauma centers have to have a helicopter, right? I know the one. Yeah. In, okay. Yeah. 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 yeah it's the do. life flight kind of idea. And, and they usually yeah. put them on the roof of the, the hospital, which now, now you've not just ruined a helicopter. You're, burning your hospital down. <laughs> <laughs> right. And yeah. So some like the CHP likes to land hot. So you're running out there when the rotors are still going to pull a patient out. Oh, geez. Whereas all the other ones, Calstar and uh, they, they'll, they'll, they won't let you come out till everything's shut down. They spin so, them down. That makes sense. Yeah. It makes more sense. It yeah. reminds me of the TV show mash. They always had to duck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Well, I yeah, don't know how many times done. I would quote things from that series. <laughs> Coming. And, yeah. Well, I, I like I like the way that uh, how many different Hawkeyes were there, right? 
Yeah. There's like the guy doing the uh, Marx Brothers, and then there's the yeah. guy doing the maudlin. Uh, he's a really good actor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And he nailed them all. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, as we wrap up, so you're at craigthayer.net, right? Correct. That's and, my website. <clears throat> That's got all the other um, social media, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. Um, yeah, it's got them all on there. So if you need one or one hook up that way, they're there. And right. it's also got kind of what I'm doing, the things that I'm either speaking at or, um, yeah, going on in my life. How do you like the, the speaking gig? I, I love the speaking thing. Um, I love, I like, it's not huge cause I can actually, you know, look at people in the audience and then, and relate to them. So Okay, and, so not uh, like the auditorium size kind of thing. Yeah, but I mean, I've I've done that. I I had to speak to five thousand surgeons that were all professors once when I was a resident. So yikes! It was almost like the Gong Show. You had eight <laughs> minutes, so you had a light on your podium right. that um, that was green for seven, yellow for the last minute, and red when they came out with a hook. So wow, yeah, but so, and then they're all professors, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. No judgment there at all. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. They, they, they know. <laughs> Craig, yeah. this has been a blast. I, I, I wish we would have gotten to this story about how you got the nickname Tank, because that just sounds like fun. Yes. Maybe. We'll- For my water polo guys, which oh, I okay. thought was an insult. Like, am I really slow? And the answer was... Um, no, from they had written on the whiteboard with uh, from this day forward, we'll call Craig Tank, and it's because they can't get around me. I I am called <laughs> what called hold defense or two meter defense. So if you know the goal, there's a two meter line, two meters out from the goal, and there's someone that's right in the middle. That's called the whole set or two meter offensive and defense. And I'm a defensive guy, so that's where the fight's going on. If you ever want to <laughs> see where the I like in hockey. Right. If you ever want to see where the fight's going on, that's it. Even when the ball's not there, there's a fight going on. So, oh, wow. Because <laughs> yeah. you're, you're trying to get around in front of them so they can't get the ball. Okay. Or if you're still behind them, you, you grab their suit or an arm and you're holding them down so that they can't get to a ball if it's underthrown or, wow. or get the shot off. My goodness. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. not so in Dungeons and Dragons they they call anybody that is like really big and lots of armor a tank. So different right. than that. <laughs> right. That's kind of thought where that where they were going. Like, yeah, I'm really just big and slow. Right. Like a, like a Clydesdale. It's, it's your job to do lots of damage and absorb a lot of damage. Right. 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 Okay. Well, right. I'm glad you didn't drown. Yes. Me too. <laughs> Craig, this has been a blast. Thanks for hanging out with me for about an hour. It's been an honor being here. All right. You have a good one. You too. Thanks for taking the time to ride along with us on another episode of Vroom Vroom Veer. For podcast info and show notes, be sure to head over to vvveer.com. That's triple V-double-E-R.com. Man, that's fun to say. And we'll catch up with you next time here on Vroom Vroom Veer. Vroom Vroom Veer.